Welcome to the Sound and Marketing Podcast. I'm your host, Gina Aisham, owner and founder of Dreamer Productions and Sound and Marketing Learning. I create, consult, and educate brands and individuals on the power of sound in marketing. Looking to create branded sound or need a sound strategist? Head on over to dreamerproductions.com and let's chat. That's D-R-E-A-M-R productions.com. Want to learn more about sound and marketing these days? Go to soundinmarketing.com. There's courses and resources galore. Now back to the show. In part one, Sarah and Shannon discussed how NPM is all about intentionality, relatability, and purposeful storytelling for their advertising content. We pick up where we left off, focusing a little more on the way they tell stories through music in subtle but very effective ways. So I kind of mentioned before, you know, public radio has a different relationship with music than a lot of commercial media. Um, Definitely the way that music is used on NPR, for example, is much more subtle, much more kind of used in transitions, um, letting the kind of journalistic story stand on its own. But that actually kind of works in our favor with sponsorship because that gives us the opportunity to play a little bit more with music and helps kind of create that cue for listeners um, that, you know, this is a little bit of a different story. And so we tend to use music um, in our brand soundscapes, for example, um, and we try to really work with it in a way that it both kind of helps to like to match the public radio tone, but also kind of differentiate it from an NPR, traditional NPR story. And I'd love to have Shannon speak more about that for us um, because they do a lot of the scoring for our pieces. Yeah, we we actually work with a composer, several composers, but we create custom scoring for each of our campaigns, for each sponsor. And we do that for a couple of different reasons. Um, One is the flexibility of being able to say, this is a story, here's the person's voice, let's find the instruments that complement it. Um, And the reason I'm saying complement it is because the way I like to think about the scoring with this is let's make sure that this is like, you know when you're listening to a song and you're you're listening along and the main singer is going and then they they fade off and in that transition some other guitar piece comes in and your attention is brought there but you didn't hear that guitar until after the singer was done right so it's this idea of this handoff it's this narrative and the music is a character in the story so how can we use that character to help tell the story in a way that doesn't take away from the message doesn't take away from that main speaker, but still helps to communicate the tone underneath their story. So working with a composer means that we can actually sit down and be like, hey, at 32 seconds, I need a tonal shift so that we can feel the impact of this work. Um, I need something really exciting here because they're talking about this new innovation in this automobile. Something like that, that we can't necessarily get when we're using stock music. And for legal purposes, right, we're not going to use popular music we don't want to have to you know deal with the the rights and clearances there and at the end of the day the sponsor owns the story so what can we make sure we're doing um to get them something that is uniquely theirs to sarah's point of like tone and making it a little bit different than the public radio approach is we still you know love our pianos and our strings and all the orchestral sounds but uh we've also had the opportunity to work with different composers who bring different style Meet Leah Andrews. I was watching TV and I saw this beautiful New York snow globe come up on the screen and it was very ornate. Inside the globe it had 
the Twin Towers and a bunch of other really um, beautifully sculpted buildings. In the moment of seeing it with the glitter flying around and the snow flying around, I just wanted to kind of be in there almost and the rest is kind of history. <laughs> Leah became the queen of snow globes. Making custom snow One of the composers we work with right now, I actually found on social media because they had a song, um, just like a spoof song, a little parody song. that was like, I got my sock wet and now I have to throw my whole foot away. <laughs> and <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, that's funny. And it's like stuck in your head. You know the song. And I reached out and it's just so amazing to see how people can bring different perspectives to the music and different pieces and tones and instrumentation and energies. And so we've gotten to work with this person and, and she's been absolutely fantastic at bringing a different sound to those sponsorship messages. Again, finding the way to make it similar to public radio, but differentiated enough that the NPR listener knows that it's sponsorship. As a composer, thank you for doing that. I still write production music, but it frustrates me a lot because when you're told write something like Toddlers and Tiaras or Duck Dynasty, what does that mean? But if you're actually composing for a set, this is the story, this is the project, this is the tone, uh, any composer worth their weight can work with that and actually come up with something that will emote specifically for that rather than just write something dramedy like that that doesn't that doesn't vibe so i really appreciate that you do that and i hope that more and more companies will take that on rather than just grabbing some track from some library that's just I don't know. I, I really, really appreciate that. So I'm glad that you do that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no. And that's half the fun of it, right? Is like part of the fun of making these stories is getting to dive in and learn about each of these brands, learn about these industries, learn about these products. The other part that's also really fun is getting to create something that's unique, getting to create something that's different and something that like will not be recreated again. You know, we're not going to use that same music from one sponsor to the next. And we're going to make sure that we have that conversation of like, hey, I would love for this one to have some digital sounds, but also something organic. And they get really excited at this point. So let's make sure we're emoting, you know, X, Y, and Z of, of feelings, right? And just having that conversation, I think, is also just another way that we're putting a little bit more mindfulness into the sponsorship we're creating. And I would add to it, you know, we try to be really thoughtful about how we work with freelancers and other creatives on the stories. Um, we are a very small team, so we do, you know, need to bring in other people from time to time to help on our projects. And I think the fact that also, you know, we've been in that role too and like worked on different projects, we freelanced in the past, that really gives you that other perspective to how can I take that extra step to make this experience of working with our team really clear and memorable and enjoyable and how can we, you know, kind of put um, put them first as well. Because I know, you know, working in the advertising world, there's always that that sort of adage of the client comes first. And we try to kind of extend the mindfulness in our work to also include the team and like make sure that we're being very clear to clients, but we're also really respecting our team and everyone we work with um, and really trying to do what we do in a sustainable way that's not going to burn people out. 
think that there's many different sound languages. And so if you speak the language of words, there could be another person that speaks the language of music and another person that speaks the language of sound design. And they all go together. And so, especially if you said you had a small team, if you can branch out and bring different parts of that language together, you're going to have a stronger story. And I was also thinking too, like, you know, depending on how, how the, where the client is geographically or demographically or economically, you could bring in a composer or a sound designer that comes from this demographic of some sort, and they could represent in even more of an emotional way. So there's, there's no, no end to the limits of possibilities that you could do. It's funny you say that because I think uh, in terms of language, like I'm a musician by trade technically, and like Sarah, were you an English major? Is that correct? I was indeed. Okay. So like, I am not words and clauses. That is not my style. I am audio first. And so we've definitely seen that come to life in how we relate to client feedback or um, our associate producer even is Sammy. She's kind of in the middle too, I'd say. And so it's been really interesting as we expand our team and as we bring in other people um, from different perspectives, from different walks of life, just being able to have those intentional conversations and say like, oh, you see this differently. Okay, let's chat about that. Let's figure out what the best way to move forward with this is. And to your point also, I just want to add something we've been trying to be very mindful of and work towards is making sure that when we're telling stories for brands and we're featuring people who maybe they're partnered with or, you know, uh, maybe they've funded or elevated their work in some way, really being mindful with how we tell their story so that they feel empowered in that space. Um, Trying to be very cautious about recognizing that the story is from the brand, but maybe not about the brand. It's just about the work the brand is helping to support and making sure that we are being super intentional with how we present that information um, and make sure that, again, like they feel empowered and that they get to have a voice in telling their story. I was just watching a clip from a Steve Jobs video and he was talking about um, examples of how you market. And he was using Nike as an example. And he said, in Nike's advertising and marketing, they don't actually talk about the product. They talk about the physicality of it, what you can do with it, the people that are involved. So to your point, yes, I, I completely agree. There, there has to be a, a bigger picture out there rather than just buy my shoe. And something we haven't really touched on too much, but I think this is a big driver for our work. And that kind of made me think of this is um, because we are creating pieces for the NPR audience, we're creating sponsorship that the NPR audience will hear. Um, all the work we're doing, aside from the mindfulness, mindfulness that we are putting into it, all of our custom audio pieces are also undergoing a legal and ethics review as we go through. Um, and I think the biggest thing about that is just every piece we create, we need to make sure it's grounded in facts, grounded in real experiences, and can be substantiated. And so I think to your point of uh, you're showing what the impact of the work is, you're showing what is possible with this work. We're also making sure that we like kind of rein that in at times, right? It's like, Yes, you can pie in the sky, but let's talk about what is happening and what the real impact is. And oftentimes like that 
relatable story of this is what we have done with this is far more powerful than maybe the marketing language could be there, right? The idea of showing how this is making a tangible impact is something we try to really hold on to as we go forward with these. And as we as we close out, I just wanted to ask this question um, just for the viewers. Uh, when you speak to your, your clients, when they're working on these advertisements as sponsorship and such, what guidelines, what kinds of things do you try and um, let them know needs to be present? What kinds of aspects do you need from them to create a good story um, that resonates with the NPR audience? I think one thing we've been thinking about more um, as we've done more of these stories and we've started to actually track and follow the performance data and see like which types of voices um, do listeners resonate with. Um, you know, one of the things we've thought about is also considering this in the context of NPR's North Star goal, which is, you know, really growing their audience to include younger and more diverse listeners. And in that same vein, you know, when we work with sponsors, we want to encourage them to really showcase speakers who are both inspiring, but also relatable. Um, so we have a lot of brands who, you know, want to feature their founder, their CEO, and those can be some really great stories. Um, but at the same time, we also really try to encourage brands to think about people who are actually doing the everyday work, um, you know, why they joined the brand, what's their story, um, kind of hearing from someone who maybe doesn't have the chance to speak as much, but who's really passionate about what they do. And when we've been able to do that, we found those stories really resonate and perform really well. Um, and I think it's it's cool because I think really the, the goal of making our stories more inclusive and, and making our speakers really relatable is that, um, you know, it's, it's important to that North Star goal of including different people, um, but it also really helps clients see success on our NPR platforms as well. That's really brilliant though, because I mean, yes, you have certain CEOs like founder of Wendy's, Dave, he was always fun to watch and all that stuff. But, you know, like what kind of a story would you get from the, you know, the drive-through clerk or, you know, somebody that's been the secretary at the company for 20, 30 years or something like that. You get a more, maybe it's not as like a, quirky, cute kind of thing, but you get a more realistic perspective of that company, which again is something that you can relate to better. Like I don't relate to Dave. I think he's funny or was, I guess he passed away. But, um, but if I were to hear from like somebody that was on the ground, actually working in the brand, it's definitely something that you can connect to in a more uh, emotional way. So yeah, I can see the power. I think I would add there too, the C-suites tend to be very, very prepared for interviews. They know what they're saying. If you've seen them speak elsewhere, if you've seen them um, in ads or you've heard them in podcasts before, they probably know the exact answer that they're going to give you when you ask them a question. Um, and the NPR listener is very finely attuned to this is podcast, this is off the cuff, this is genuine, versus I am hearing a scripted answer. They can tell the difference, right? And so when we're talking to our sponsors and we're saying, hey, let's make sure we're creating something that is authentic and feels genuine and that listeners can relate to, exactly to your point, it's somebody who's going to speak 
passionately, maybe not perfectly, and that's okay. Uh, again, with that public media approach that we're trying to put into each of our pieces for sponsorship, we're also keeping in mind that people don't speak perfectly. People say, um, people say like, people phrase things weird and give you the wrong tense and the wrong clause, you know, all these things that you wouldn't get in a scripted ad, but that's how you know it's real. And that's how you know it's coming from someone who is really speaking from the heart about their work and about what they're doing, which I think is the most relatable thing um, when you're able to actually hear why somebody does what they do. It's so memorable too, because I think some of our most fun interviews that we've done for these stories are where we actually get to hear these really interesting design stories and the problems that people faced and kind of how they how they worked around it. And um, it definitely brings the brand to life in a new way and gives people something really specific to remember as well, which ultimately is the goal. You want to leave them with something because however, however that ad ends, that's what people will remember the most. At least that's what I've heard. And I was thinking too, I interviewed um, some gals at Mindshare a couple of years ago, and they brought up a very good point that, you know, usually you're listening to a podcast with, you know, earbuds in your ear or headphones. And that's very intimate. Like somebody is right there in your head. Uh, you have to be respectful of that. And if you've got, you know, to Shannon's point, if you've got a CEO that probably has a scripted answer for everything, it doesn't come across the same. Maybe it would on a TV ad, but when you're that close, your your brain is smart. It'll pick up on stuff and know that that was scripted or know that that was already decided. Um, so wonderful, wonderful work. Shannon, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the Sound of Marketing podcast. I've learned so much and I hope you had a good time. Thank you. It's been really wonderful to talk with you. This was excellent. Thank you so much. For more on what NPM is doing, check out nationalpublicmedia.org. I hope you're enjoying the show. Don't forget to subscribe on all the major podcast channels. Share with friends, follow, and rate. Spread the word because, well, more people should know about this stuff. I know you know that now. For any other inquiries, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also email me at Gina, J-E-A-N-N-A, at dreamerproductions.com. All links will be provided in the show notes. Let's make this world of sound more intriguing, more unique, and more and more on brand.